everybody, and welcome to the 60th 6-0 episode of the Jacked on the Beanstalk podcast. I don't know, 60 episodes, that just sounds so crazy, that's legit, 60. Feels like a big one, Mm -hmm. and I feel like this is a good topic for a big milestone. Yeah, I think this is going to be a popular episode as well. We're doing that based on the fact that you guys really seem to dig the health and fitness and vegan coaching style episodes so much more than the mindful ones. And of course, you guys deserve a good episode after what feels like a lot of random, mindful, balding topics that we have been covering as of late. Yeah, this one's definitely a crowd pleaser. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So on this episode, we decided to answer all of the most frequently asked questions that I receive as a vegan coach, and that is covering all things exercise, nutrition, and of course, the best timing of meals around workouts. So it's an info-packed episode for you guys. I know you're going to love it. So without further ado, let's get right to it, eh? Welcome to the Jacked on the Beanstalk Vegan Podcast, hosted by the Shorky Sisters. Repping the vegan hippie meatheads of the world is Sam, the first ever vegan World Naturals Bikini Pro, coach, author, and blogger, who's got an ass that's out of this world. Repping the busy, tired moms of the world is Sarah, and her ass is, well, mediocre together. They're on a mission to live with purpose and unlock the mysteries of a healthy mind, body, and spirit. So grab a seat in the back of Sarah's minivan and enjoy the ride. I just realized we forgot to introduce ourselves like we always do. Everybody knows who the frig we are at this point. It's episode 60, for God's sakes. True. In fact, they're probably sick of hearing us say, and I'm her sister and co-host Sarah (laughs) Shaggy. And I guess the actual intro that we paid good money for does introduce us as well. Yeah. Okay. Well, maybe this means we should just stop introducing ourselves and... I think it means shut the hell up and get to the useful information. Yeah, fair enough. All right. So... For this episode, we have compiled seven questions that I've probably been asked about 7,000 times in the seven years, ironically enough, that I have been working as a vegan trainer and nutrition coach, both online and in person. And of course, being a pro bikini competitor and longtime gym rat myself. That was a lot of sevens. Maybe we should have done this for the 70th episode. Yeah, good call. Well, whatever. It's too late now. But how about if you guys like this style of episode and get a lot of value out of it, then maybe why don't we start doing like a listener Q&A every 10 shows or something Mm. like that. Yeah, I guess if you guys have any vegan training and nutrition related questions that you're just dying to have answered on the podcast, you are always welcome to send us an email to sam at jackedonthebeanstalk.com. We both receive those emails and just leave us your question uh, there or you can do it in the comment sections of the show notes for this episode, which will always be found at jackedonthebeanstalk.com after we post a new episode. So I've actually have 
an FAQ sheet on my laptop or document, I should say, because obviously clients do ask me a lot of the same questions all the time. And I think it was actually you, Sarah, who came up with the idea to create an FAQ sheet. Yeah, that sounds like something an organized person would say. Mm -hmm. You know, one who can appreciate the importance of time efficiency. Of course, we had to consult this official JOTB FAQ sheet before coming up with the questions for this episode. So the questions are in no particular order whatsoever. But how about, Sarah, you read each one and then I will answer accordingly. Unless, of course, you want me to read them and you answer. Well, while that may make for an interesting episode, I don't think our listeners would appreciate that. Let's get to it. Question number one, please, Sarah. How do I prepare tofu? Excellent question. Don't know why you did that voice, (laughs) but first of all, can I just get an amen for the versatility of tofu? I love tofu and I definitely eat a lot of tofu scramble. I have my go-to recipe which is on my blog and in my original ebook. We can definitely link that recipe up in the show notes uh, or you can just search tofu scramble on my blog. I also have two new tofu scramble recipes in my brand new vegan bodybuilders cookbook that is finally available on Amazon Prime. I feel really cool that I get to say on Amazon Prime. It's a big deal. But anyways, I feel like tofu scramble is such a good, easy vegan bodybuilding meal. It's of course low in calories, it's low in carbs, high in protein, lots of nutrients and vitamins in it, and you can basically make a giant pan of tofu scramble in about 10 minutes and a great way to use up whatever veggies you have on hand. I love it with a little bit of hot sauce to give it an extra kick. And this is something that I genuinely eat right through, Like any kind of diet show prep I'm doing, I usually eat it till almost the bitter end. So it's a really good vegan bodybuilding meal and something I always recommend to my clients when they want tofu ideas. Another really good, healthy, tasty way to do tofu is just cutting it into cubes. You can marinate it in whatever you want. Sometimes I'll I'll do like a smoky marinade with some Bragg's liquid aminos and some apple cider vinegar, maybe a little bit of maple syrup if I'm not being super restrictive on calories. You can throw whatever spices you want in there or just super basic Bragg's liquid aminos. Marinate that for an hour or overnight if you really want it to have some flavor. And then just line a baking sheet with part parchment paper, throw that cubed tofu onto the baking sheet and bake it in the oven 350-375 for 20 minutes, 30 minutes. Super easy. And yeah, going back to how versatile tofu is, I don't know if everyone is aware of this or not, but tofu makes an awesome dessert. And I always like getting creative with tofu in desserts. It's super easy to make a vanilla type pudding by just mixing up some tofu 
tofu and vanilla extract and you could sweeten it with a little bit of maple syrup or stevia if you're being really strict or like a monk fruit sweetener any of those natural options you can sprinkle it with some dairy-free chocolate chips if you want to have something super decadent and desserty tasting or even just some berries if you're really trying to keep it lower in sugar and carbs or you're in prep mode and it's sort of like a little parfait and actually I have a great protein parfait recipe in my new cookbook that everybody can test out if they pick up their own copy of it. I also have a great blueberry cheesecake bites recipe that is available on my blog that has pretty good macros and both these recipes obviously use tofu in a dessert type way and of course we will link up all of this these recipes I mentioned on the show notes for this episode at jackedonthebeanstalk.com but yeah I love me some tofu do you Sarah? Yeah not so much the tofu desserts though I, I feel like that can go either way sometimes you're like I can't believe this is tofu and other times it's like I'm just eating a bunch of cold tofu and someone tried to trick me. Well I even like doing a feta cheese out of raw tofu is another good way to do it or I don't know I love it I would say tofu is probably my most favorite vegan protein option of all not not so much you Sarah. yeah if i'm picking a favorite protein then yes it's probably tofu but it's so versatile you can do everything okay well tell that to my children anyways (laughs) how about next most frequently asked question How do I prepare tempeh? Okay, tempeh or tempeh, as I hear a lot of non-vegans say. (laughs) Or poison, as our brother Jeff called it over the holidays. Oh, really? Not a fan. I definitely enjoy tempeh, but maybe not as much as tofu, probably because I ate so much of it when I prepped for bikini competitions. And the reason for that is tempeh is lower in fat than tofu and so it tends to be a better leaner vegan plant-based source of protein if you are on a very restrictive diet you'll definitely get better results if you're eating more tempeh than tofu and it's great for digestion because it's fermented i usually will recommend to clients that they just saute it again cut it up into cubes or little strips saute it with a tiny spritz of coconut oil and then i will douse it with some bragg's liquid aminos You could do with some liquid smoke and again, tiny bit of maple syrup and kind of turn it into like a tempeh bacon, which is delicious. And I'll often eat that with a vegan Caesar salad. I love that as a big meal. Or here's a good one. Shout out to my Jamaican friend, Brian. And he introduced me to an awesome recipe that I tweaked slightly to make it more vegan bodybuilding style. But apparently in Jamaica, there is a leafy green vegetable called Kalaloo. And Brian's maid, he was a, a rich Jamaican, uh, his house servant maid, I'm not sure what her title was, but she cooked this for me one morning and it was this Kalaloo sauteed in coconut oil with some garlic, onion, and thyme. Thyme is a really popular spice herb in Jamaica. And then, of course, a little bit of salt and pepper. And it was so good. And so I do this because we don't have access to Kalaloo here in Canada. I do K. Ke- 
kale instead, and I'll saute it with some tempeh and the onion, the garlic, the thyme, salt and pepper. It's it's good shit, man. <laughs> Highly suggest testing it out. And it was even prep friendly. So it was a really good recipe there. I also have a prep friendly recipe on my blog that I recommend if you are a fan of both the sweet and salty. It's got powdered peanut butter in it, garlic, fresh, or you could do ground ginger. And again, a little bit of Bragg's liquid aminos, some chili flakes, makes a really tasty sauce for tempeh. And again, very low cal. Or if I'm times are really tough, I'll literally just pan fry it in a tiny spritz of, of an olive oil spray. Or if I'm really desperate, just no oil whatsoever, but use one of those nonstick fry pans. And then I'll just dip sauteed strips in mustard, salsa, or hot sauce. Of course. Yeah, see, you're not normal. Well, again, <laughs> we're talking about if you want results, if you want... I tell my clients all the time, there's a reason 99.5% of the population is not walking around looking like a fitness model. because yes, because we don't want to pull raw tempeh out of a bag and dip it into mustard. <laughs> well, I said I pan fry it first in nothing. I've also seen you eat it right out of the bag. I, I fully admit that has happened too. Or you could steam it in a low sodium vegetable stock and whatever herbs and spices you prefer. A lot of people like to do tempeh steamed because it gives it more of like a meaty squishy texture so it would be better like if you crumble it into like a chili or something like that but I personally like the crispy on the outside style more than squishy Yes, meaty. I agree. Yeah. Squishy yeah. doesn't sound very appetizing, no, no. does it? <laughs> Who here is salivating? <laughs> listening to these recipe ideas. But again, there's a reason 99.5% of the population does not have a six-pack, all right? So let's bear that in mind. All right, Sarah, next! How do I deal with those effing sweet cravings? Ah, yes. Excellent question. I personally could have a bag of chips sitting in my cupboard or on the counter for a year and not even really care or be tempted by it at all. But if it is a bag of cookies, yeah, no way. Every day I would be fighting the urge to eat them. And so I definitely get asked about dealing with cravings a lot. Sugar especially. It seems like a lot of women fall completely off track during their time of the month. Or maybe that's just the excuse that a lot of women love to give me. And I'm saying this because I have not had a period in almost two years since getting pregnant and still breastfeeding. That's a nice side effect. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, Sarah, you also have a brutal sweet tooth. Do you think that you crave sweets more around your menses? Menzies? Is that how it's said? Either way, I don't have a Menzies anymore. I have an IUD. Oh, right. Yeah. See, that's weird, too. We're supposed to have a period. All these birth control pills and IUDs that prevent us from having a Menzies, I'm sorry, but that just doesn't seem healthy to me. Yes. It's I... unnatural. I agree 100%, but after years of excessive bleeding to the point that I was anemic, I decided that was also unnatural. Fair enough. Well, either way, I'm not sure I buy into the whole cravings are worse when you have your period belief. I feel like that's true, though, because there have been times when I was 
inexplicably a ravenous hog. And then I'd get my period and I'd be like, oh, that's why. I mean, I know we're hungrier the week before our periods because our bodies obviously are using more calories to produce a menzies. I like the word menzies now. Yes, we actually do require more calories during this time. Or you could look at it this way. Your period is a great time to lose weight if you can fight those cravings because you're naturally burning more calories than usual. But anyway, we're totally getting off topic. The question that I get asked all the time, how to fight sugar cravings? My first piece of advice is to try satisfying that urge with a healthy, high-protein, low-sugar sweet treat. Obviously, I just covered a couple. The protein parfait in my new cookbook, which is available on Amazon Prime, is a great one. My go-to, and I'm sure every client listening knows this one, chocolate protein pudding with a glob of peanut butter on top. I call it a ghetto peanut butter cup. It's literally just jacked on the beans stock chocolate protein mixed with just enough water to make a pudding-like consistency, and then I glob whatever my nut or seed butter I have at home is on top. And if you're not being super restrictive, you could top it with a few dairy-free chocolate chips, and it's delicious. I love it. Disgusting. Yeah, Sarah is not a fan. I also tell my clients to substitute refined flours with chickpea flour if they're going to be baking sweet stuff. Although, somebody on a comment recently said, don't you find eating chickpea flour makes you extra farty because it's raw chickpeas? Really? Yeah. Hmm. I never thought of that, that maybe eating chickpeas raw. We'll have to test it out. Yeah, next time I make my chickpea chocolate chip cookie dough, I'm going to keep tabs on how many farts I let off. Can't wait for those results. (laughs) Everybody's at the edge of their seats. Or I welcome you to try the experiment as well. You know the fart fetishist listens to these podcasts? Every time I talk about farting now, I wonder, what is he thinking as he listens? I don't want to know. And now everyone else is wondering, fart fetishist? What? We'll save that for another episode. Anyways, use beans or chickpeas (laughs) as a base for your squares and brownies. As I just mentioned, chickpea chocolate chip cookies are the bomb. So are black bean brownies. I think I have recipe for both on my blog and in my new cookbook. So good. I also like to add protein powder to my baking to make it more high in protein and give it some sweetness because, of course, protein powder is usually sweetened with stevia or my protein powder is sweetened with banana leaf powder and just a great way to to add sweetness to an otherwise bland, boring dessert. Or I'll make an icing with protein powder if I'm being super hardcore. I'll literally just mix some protein powder with some almond milk or soy milk. You could also sub the oil in any dessert recipe for unsweetened applesauce, or at least sub half the oil for applesauce. And it'll turn out to be a pretty good recipe most of the time. (laughs) Definitely had some fails with that attempt, but just, just be prepared that it might suck. Or you could try to get your sweet fix from nature's candy, fruit. Sometimes a crisp organic Fuji apple 
and some natural peanut butter satisfies the sweet cravings. And actually, I've been. I prefer the pink lady personally. Oh, really? Yes. Oh, okay. Pink lady. I do are like pink lady as well. Maybe my next bag I'll get those. <laughs> but no, I've actually been doing that. Uh, Sarah and I and the rest of the Shorky crew are going on a vacation in a couple of months, and I've been trying to reel in the the food. And so my little treat every night has been an apple with peanut butter. How nice for you. I hope you enjoy it. (laughs) Choke on it. Sarah claims she has 20 pounds to lose by vacation time. Maybe that should be our next episode. (laughs) How can Sarah lose 20 pounds in the most unhealthy way possible. I'll tell you, fear of being on a beach in Mexico half naked. Oh, by the way, we will be doing a travel tips episode coming up because that's another thing I get asked about all the time. But anyway, fruit, great way to satisfy that sweet tooth, especially if you pair it with some protein or some fat, like a good natural nut butter, and that way you're getting the fiber from the fruit and something satiating from the protein and the fat in the nut butter definitely satisfies me when I'm craving something sweet at night. And Zevia. Most people in North America have access to stevia sweetened. It's all natural soft drinks or pop, as you Americans say. <laughs> I love drinking a Zevia mini nights, actually. It's carbonated, so it's definitely going to make you feel gassy and bloated. But otherwise, it's it's a delicious, refreshing little treat, especially in the summertime, in the hotter months. And then I'll usually do a hot tea in the winter months to help get my mind off of food and and tempting treats. Yeah, and actually, while we're on the topic of hot tea, this was one of my prep tricks. I would always drink, and I still do, sweet-tasting herbal teas, especially during these colder months. There are so many that are cinnamon-flavored or vanilla-flavored herbal tea. Using those spices in your healthy desserts is also a good idea. So if I'm making protein pudding, for instance, with say a vanilla protein powder and maybe mixing some tofu in there or whatever it is, try adding in sweeter spices like cinnamon, nutmeg, ginger, cloves, or pumpkin pie spice, which is a combo of all of the the ones I just listed. But yeah, I think a good rule for the average person who's just wanting to be healthy, you can treat yourself to a little dessert. Just make it at home make it in a small batch, and try to stick to whole organic ingredients as much as possible. And then when you are giving into that little temptation, enjoy it. Slowly eat it, you know, kind of like like what I do on Sunday nights. I like to watch 90 Day Fiance and have my little chickpea chocolate chip cookie dough and my Zevia and that feels like I'm treating myself by the whole experience, not just by pounding back the cookie dough over the sink while Harry is napping, you know? Like, I make it an experience that I look forward to, and then it just makes it a lot more enjoyable and doesn't make you feel so restricted. Okay. Well, now that we've dealt with Team Sweets, let's move on to Team Salty. How do I deal with salty cravings? Okay. I personally do not have a salty tooth, as I already mentioned, but I do have a lot of clients 
parents who do. These are some of the suggestions that I've come up with and given to them over the years, and they do seem to help. So for all you chip lovers out there, I will often suggest having a salted rice cake with a tiny spread of tahini on it. Tahini is obviously one of the more savory tasting nut butters or seed butter, I should say. It's made from sesame seeds. And then I will sprinkle that with a little bit of chili flakes and some nutritional yeast, which also has like a salty, cheesy flavor and some fresh ground pepper. And it's up to you. When I make this little snack, I will also add some steamed spinach or kale and top it with that just to up the nutrition and help fill you up a little bit more. And it's a really good, you can still get that crunch from the rice cake. It's salty. It's it's very savory tasting. And that's a really good idea. And it's also low calorie. And I do find it really helps with the salty cravings. You could also try making my broccoli to kill a salty craving with recipe that is on my blog. Again, I will link that up. The broccoli acts as, you know, a crunchy, fibrous element. And it also has olives in the recipe. And as we know, olives are very salty. So between, you know, the crunch of the broccoli, the saltiness of the olives, it also has apple cider vinegar in it and lemon juice, which are both going to be really good for your digestion. And you can have as big of a helping of this as you want. And I guarantee like this is a salty recipe. It's so good for you, very nutrient dense, but it's also going to satisfy that craving and not make you feel guilty, obviously, too. If you are one of those diehard pasta carb lovers, I will suggest subbing bean noodles for your standard pasta or whatever your go-to noodle is. I really love the bean noodles. In fact, even just last night, I made a healthy-ish vegan mac and cheese because I'm still introducing Harry to solids, so I'm trying to get him onto things that, you know, obviously aren't hard for him to chew with having no teeth. So I did a lentil penne noodle and I added a bunch of frozen broccoli and then I just like mashed it up for him and then I ate it as is and it was delicious. We both thoroughly enjoyed it. One more thing I wanted to mention for all the salty craving people, if potatoes are your jam, and that definitely seems like one people tell me all the time that they they want potatoes, you definitely need to be using an air fryer. Those things are so amazing and always get tasty, crispy, delicious french fries with the tiniest amount of oil ever, and you can do that with sweet potatoes as well. In fact, I would say the air fryer is is a godsend for strict dieters and physique competitors. I like to use my air fryer for kale chips, making crispy cauliflower, and of course tofu. It's good if you want to just for changing the texture of your proteins. Air fryer tofu can be really crunchy and salty, which can taste like a treat. Same with tofu jerky. I should have mentioned this when you asked how I do tofu. That's another recipe on my blog for spicy tofu jerky. I use my dehydrated hydrator for it, but it's such an easy recipe. It's literally just Bragg's mixed with sriracha hot sauce and some garlic powder, and it's super tasty and a really good portable protein option. And if you're craving something ooey gooey and cheesy, I know that's another savory craving a lot of people deal with. It's actually very easy to make a really tasty queso style vegan cheese sauce 
and all you have to do is mix cauliflower and carrots, maybe some celery or onions if you want, and then with some nutritional yeast and, and some plant milk. It makes a really good queso dipping sauce. Anyways, next question, Sarah. Ooh, this is a good one. What is the best thing to eat before and after a workout? Get this one all the time. Easy answer, protein and carbs, both before and after a workout. In general, before you train, you're going to want to eat a meal that is high in carbs and protein, but low in fat. And you want to consume it roughly an hour, at least 30 minutes to 45 minutes before you weight train. And I believe this to be true, whether you're trying to shred body fat or build muscle, carbohydrates are what supply your body with the glycogen it needs. And I'm talking good, clean, starchy complex carbs, which are going to fuel your muscles and boost your metabolism. So sorry, keto people, but complex carbs, they are high in fiber, they're slow digestion, which means they are going to fuel a beast-like workout like nothing else. Things like sweet potatoes, squash, oats, rice, carbs before and after training, and they will give you superhero-like energy pre-workout. And I also like carbs after workout because they're going to help replace lost glycogen stores post-workout. And Sarah, as somebody who's dieting and I've been trying to help her with her meal plan, I've basically told her she should only be having carbs before and after her workout. The rest of the day, just stick to protein, veggies, and a little bit of fat, hence why she's a little miserable. Nonetheless, you're still getting some carbs. While we're on this topic, it actually reminds me of another question I get asked all the time from clients who hire me to write their nutrition plans, and that is, why do I always suggest white rice as their carb post-workout? You can do brown rice or quinoa before your workout because it's a slower digesting carb, but The reason that I always suggest white rice post-workout is because it's fast digesting. It's higher on the glycemic index, which means it's going to get absorbed by your body really fast. And that's what we want after you've depleted those glycogen stores from your training. Plus, I think it tastes better too, and it's a lot easier to cook. I bought wild rice the other day for the first time in forever, and I went to cook it. The rest of my meal was already done, and it's like four. 45 minutes. Good God. But yeah, I personally like the taste of white rice better. And I remember during all of my competition preps, it was always such a little treat to have my post-workout white rice with some sea salt on it. Mm, Good shit. I feel like a lot of people got really excited right there. What, with that answer? The white rice, yeah. Um, And that whole answer, that was just a nugget of gold right there. Let me tell you. Was it? Oh. Yeah, I feel like clients are always asking like, what do I eat before workout, after workout? What if I switch it up during the day and I work out at night? Yeah, yeah. So basically just slow digesting carbs are going to be better pre-workout because they're going to give you good sustained energy for your training, which is what you want. That's why I don't like clients to train in a fasted state because they're not going to be hitting PRs on their squats and their 
their deadlifts. Whereas if you're all carved up, you are going to notice a huge difference in in your strength, your endurance, everything. And it, it, it is going to be good for weight loss, believe it or not. And then yeah, fast digesting carb source. White rice is, is the best one. If you're uh, in a building phase, could even do a few medjool dates or a little can of coconut water because again, that's a very fast digesting carb source. So that would be a good thing to have post-workout. What is the next question, Sari? Ooh, another good one. When is the best time to work out? Is it best to work out in the morning or at night? Okay, well, seeing as I'm now living the mom life, my answer nowadays is the best time to work out is whenever the fuck you can justify getting a workout in. But if you were to ask any sleep expert, they would for sure say that a morning workout is best for ensuring a good night's sleep. And that's because exposure to daylight earlier in the day will tell your body to power down at night time. And I think we discussed this in detail on our sleep episode. Oddly enough, that was episode 50. Oh, was it? Oh, good memory. Mm -hmm. Well, I would agree that working out earlier in the day does have some benefits, such as it's good for firing up your metabolism. And yeah, and I always find that when I start the day as healthy as possible, it kind of affects how I'm going to go about the rest of the day. So if I'm working out first thing in the morning, I'm probably going to eat very clean the rest of the day. Not to mention getting your workout out of the way earlier is going to help to avoid any unexpected distractions that could potentially derail your evening workout if that's when you've set aside the time. But hey, if you're not a morning person and I'm not really, it may not work for you to get up at the crack of dawn. And actually, studies have shown working out later in the day in the afternoon or the evening is actually associated with peaks in your body temperature and gives you better flexibility and actually makes you better at aerobic performance. So your cardio is going to be better and you tend to have better peaks in your strength too. So you're going to be able to lift heavier. But on the other end of the spectrum, exercising in the morning has been shown to be associated with things like lower blood pressure, better sleep, as we already mentioned, possibly better for weight loss because you have better fat burning going on throughout the day, and it's going to be better for suppressing your appetite, whereas if you're working out late at night, you're probably going to be tempted to eat more crap late at night too because you've just had a killer workout. But I will conclude this answer in the same manner that I started it and say the best time to work out is the time that works best for you and actually allows you to perform those workouts on a consistent basis. So whatever time that is, if you're getting it in, all the power to you. Nicely done, Sammy. Thank you. And our final question is, when should I stop eating? Is it bad to eat at nighttime? Ah, yes. This is one I hear all the time. And I know there are so many differing opinions on this one and maybe I'm spewing some bro science at you guys but my personal philosophy is kind of like the last question. Eat whenever the hell you want. Train when you want. Eat when you want. And I don't believe that eating late at night will make you fat. I believe what you eat matters a lot more than when you eat. And we all know that if your calories 
in exceed your calories out, then yes, of course, the excess is going to be stored as fat. And that's whether it's 3 a.m. or 3 p.m. Hell, for years, I was training at 9.30 at night. I would eat my post-workout meal of carbs and protein around 11.30 and be in bed just after midnight. And I didn't have any problem sleeping. That was when I was prepping for competitions that I won. And a lot of people would think, oh my God, how the hell did she get to sleep? How did she have the energy to go to the gym and yeah I was drinking a cup of coffee at 9 p.m. before I went to the gym too so it really depends on the person but it's all going to come down to what you're eating and taking in versus what you're expending and putting out so you want to make sure those numbers are balanced and it doesn't matter what time you're eating. I know guys who've prepped for shows and they would get up at three in the morning to eat to ensure that they were eating enough to build muscles. Yeah, I think unfortunately when most people are snacking at night, it's a bag of ruffles while binge watching Game of Thrones. Yes, exactly. All right. So there you have it, folks. Our most frequently asked vegan training and nutrition questions, or at least the top seven we could come up with for this initial FAQ episode. I like this. I hope everybody listening liked it too. Yeah, me too. I think it's going to be a popular one. Yeah, and speaking of popular, we got a new Apple podcast review that I would love to share with everybody before we wrap this episode up. It is five stars, of course, and it comes from someone named Target113, and it is titled The Best. Sarah, would you like to read it? Yes, Bash. All right, let's go. I love Sam and Sarah. I found Sam years ago on Bite Size Vegan. I had my daughter a few months before Sam and Harry, and being a vegan mom can be super overwhelming, especially here in the States, and knowing Sam can do it gives me hope. Much love from a fellow tired mom. Aw, well, much love right back at you, fellow tired vegan mom. And trust me, it is super overwhelming here in Canada, too. So thank you for that review. Please, guys, keep those reviews coming in. That's what helps people find us. But moving on, let's get to this episode's Patreon prize. Free shit! And this prize was actually generously donated by my friends at Elevate Nutrition. They are a married couple, Jillian and Paul. I mean real life pals, not just inter pals. They're such a cool couple. An exceptionally good looking vegan couple, might I add. Really, really, really ridiculously good looking. Yeah, I believe it was in 2016 that we all competed together as part of the Plant Built team in Austin, Texas. A couple years ago, they decided to launch an entire line of really good vegan supplements, things like protein powder and BCAAs, and they were kind enough to send me their chocolate brownie flavored protein, which I have been making my protein pudding with, and it's super tasty. And then they also have co coconut lime BCAAs that are very refreshing and very tasty. And actually, if anyone listening is an investor and they like to support vegan companies with their investment money, Paul and Jillian are currently trying to raise money to take Elevate Nutrition to the next level. So if you've got some extra investment cash that you're looking to put towards a small vegan company doing big things for the vegan movement, definitely 
definitely get in touch with them. You can check out their website at elevatenutrition.com. And this opportunity is open to anyone, no matter how little or much money you have to invest. They're a really great company doing big things in the health and nutrition space. And for this episode, we are giving one lucky Patreon supporter a super badass and stylish t-shirt from Elevate that says, Unleash your inner beast! on the back, and a shaker cup to mix up all those protein shakes, plus, of course, some extra little goodies from us at Jacked on the Beanstalk. I just realized that we did not announce the winner of the new Zest vegan protein powder that we were giving away on the last episode, so... Mm. Oh, yeah. Okay, so let's do that now. Give it away, give it away, give it away now. Give it away, give it away, give it away now. Give it away, give it away, give it away now. And the winner is... Billy Jean! Bum, put down, down. Bum, put down, down. Yeah, I think... Billie Jean is actually a local and owns a Copper Branch vegan cafe and restaurant here in Ottawa. So congrats, Billie Jean. I'll have to come swing by the restaurant and check it out. So Sarah, what song are we singing to conclude the FAQ episode? Man, I really frigging struggled with this one. I was trying to find a song about asking questions, seeking answers, learning, but they were all either love songs or songs about finding Jesus. <laughs> yeah. I guess I that makes sense. Yeah. And then I thought of the 1984 classic by 38 Special. Don't know who the hell they are? Well, most people don't. But you, <laughs> you'll probably recognize the song Teacher, Teacher. So that's what uh, we're going with. Okay. Were they a one-hit wonder? I would say so, yeah. And- well, it is perfect for the episode. One, two, three, four. Just when I thought I finally learned my lesson well. There There was more to this than meets the eye. And for all the things you taught me, only time will tell if I'll be able to survive. Oh, yeah! yeah. Teacher, teacher, can you teach me? Can you tell me all I need to know? Teacher, teacher, can you reach me? Or will I fall when you let me go? Oh, no! Well, that wasn't as bad as I thought it would no, be. No, yeah, we did. Okay. We do have a gift for karaoke. I'm it's sure true. everyone yes. would yeah. agree. All yeah. right, well, that's it for this episode. Hope y'all enjoyed it. Hope you got some value out of it. If you like this style of episode, then keep those questions coming and give us some feedback in the comment section of the show notes for this episode. JackedOnTheBeanStock.com is where you can find us. Thanks for listening. Shorky Sisters, out. I love my-